0: love uh, from a pure heart. As I just uh, prayed about and spoke about briefly is that we're going to see very quickly and understand to the heart of who we are that without the grace in our lives, without God's love pouring through us, it is impossible for us to love as God calls us to love. And we're not talking about loving outside, we're talking about loving one another in the body. It is impossible for us to love each other without God's love first intervening into our life and flowing through. Through us. It's not possible for us without God's grace to show true love. The love that we're going to see this morning in these verses. I think we all have a desire to love. I think at the root of who we are, we want love for maybe the wrong reasons. Maybe we want to love for for the return of affection. We want to love because it gives us, love can give us control, right? Love can give us power. Love can do all these things that God does not intend it to do. But love at its truest source, as God is love, is a love that looks over all things and and serves each other. It's a love that looks beyond our differences, our our struggles, our trials, and sees the image of God. Sees a brother or a sister and and desires for them to grow in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is the kind of love that we see in Scripture. That is the kind of love that we should be desiring as a body. That is the kind of love that we're going to see this morning show to us in Scripture, what God desires for us. Because as we've been talking the last few weeks and and working through these ideas of we have this now, new living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are giving not just an old hope, but a living and abiding hope in Jesus who reigns forever. We have this in our hearts now. And because that we're called to be holy. We last, last couple weeks looked at what it means to be holy, to be set apart for God, by God, for His purposes, for His, for His design. We're called to be a different people, a unique people. We're going to see in a couple of weeks a holy priesthood. And so Peter immediately goes from this idea of, of us being holy, our holy conduct, and he wraps it up straight into this reality that we have must practically work out in our love for one another. Peter's asking a lot. If we, if we forget uh, the review, I mean, these are people from different, totally different backgrounds. These are Jews trying to mix with Gentiles. People through a whole life together and time together have seen each other as enemies. And now they're trying to become one body. They're trying to put Christ as head and then being submissive to him as one another. You know, Peter's not writing to the world outside. He's writing to you and I. He's writing to believers. And he's saying that us being holy, our conduct must start here. We're going to know that we are have been purified by Christ if we in fact show sincere brotherly love. This is so important in fact that in 1 Peter 4 near the end, verse 7-8, he says this. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. But above all, okay, this is Peter, above all else, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Peter's trying to remind us of the importance of this one truth, that we are called to love one another and not just frivolously. But sincere, and we're going to see that in this text this morning, with true sincerity, not hypocrisy, earnestly desiring to know each other and to love one another as God loves us. And of course, you might first of all say, that, that's, that's easy, right? No, it's not. I don't expect you to think it is. To truly love someone, it is, again, a work of God in our hearts, in our lives. But what's interesting is if, you, if you're a fan of Lewis, he has a great book, Mere Christianity, and in it he talks about forgiveness. And I love what he talks about forgiveness because he talks about how we supposed to love our enemies, right? How we're supposed to love each other. And he says, but good news is, it doesn't mean you have to like them. And what we say, why we say that is because so many of us want to just feel like either we either love the person, love all they are, or we don't love them at all. But God's word is very clear that we, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. We don't always have to like the other individual to love them. In fact, I love myself. There's a lot of things that I don't like about myself. And is the easiest person for me to love is myself. And we get wrapped up in our own self-love, don't we? But even myself, there are things that my actions, my thoughts, the, the, the relationship of my, of my relationships, I don't like them. Right? I, I hope I'm not speaking just to myself. I imagine maybe you feel the same way. If you don't, then we should probably talk a little more in depth because uh, you don't realize maybe who you are. But as a sinner, saved by grace, I see God intervening in my life, and I love who I am. But at the same time, I hate my actions. I hate when I don't give God the glory he deserves. I hate when I don't live a life of obedience to the truth that he has put before me. And that's okay. You can still love somebody while not liking their actions. In fact, while hating the very sin in their life. And so this love is not like our world love. This love is beyond our world. It's unique in the sense that it's only how God God designed it to be. So if we want a people who love from a pure heart, we can look at Scripture we have to see what that looks like. Because we see right away in 1 Peter 1.22 that to love comes from a purified heart. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere love love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So if we're called to love one another in this way, we have to see how do we do it? Well, we do it by coming from a purified heart. So how then are we purified? Because that's the answer we need, right? If we want to love as God calls us to love, we know it comes from a purified heart, then how are we purified? Well, verse 22 gives us the answer. You purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. Now, do we purify ourselves by being good? Is that what Peter's trying to say here? Is it our obedience to the truth of God's word, the scriptures, that purifies us? If so, we wouldn't need Christ, would we? If it was through our obedience to Scripture and our ability to know God through it and be obedient to it, and by that it would purify us, we'd have no need for Christ, no need for His death. No, the obedience to the truth we're going to see through other, through other Scriptures is in fact our faith and our hope in the Gospel. The obedience to truth in us that we conjure up and do and go we'll work hard to accomplish our purified souls happen by us, but our faith and our hope and the truth of what Christ has done for us and the good news that Christ came to rid us of all of our sin, of all of our shame, and there's now no more condemnation. And we're going to see quickly how this flows from Scripture. We're going to see that it's impossible for us to work our way into purification because, in fact, love... Is the overflow of obedience to the truth. So it's impossible, like I just said earlier, it's impossible for us to love without first being changed. And we're gonna see that later on too when it comes to new birth. 1 Peter 1 says that. But also in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 6, which will be on the screen, it tells us for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through. Love. Our faith comes first, and then the love. First Timothy 1.5, it also says in the same way, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Our charge is love but that does not manifest itself without having a sincere faith, a pure heart that comes from it. So we know that our obedience to truth is not obedience to God's word. Like We're supposed to work our way through it. Firstly, because our love is the overflow of our obedience. Not part of it. And so we have to realize that that is who we are. It we, we comes from who we are as our love. It's our settling in the faith of what God has done. But also the new birth is a way of talking about the purification of our souls. And this new birth happens through believing in the good news. If we look in our verse today, chapters verse 23 says, Since you have been born again, not perishable seed but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that we preached to you. Our new birth is a way of talking about our purification, right? That's how we are purified, is through the seed that's been planted to us, this imperishable seed of God. And we get that seed by our belief in the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter four seventeen, we see that people who do not obey the gospel are people who do not trust in the gospel. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God. So those who are disobedient, who do not obey the gospel, are people who do not put their trust in the gospel. But more importantly it's our faith that unites us to Christ. And our faith is what has a sanctifying and cleansing effect. Acts fifteen, eight through nine says it this way. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed or purified their hearts by faith. It is faith that unites us to Christ. We have been purified by our faith in who Christ is. And lastly, in the verse preceding, verse 21, it says, Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And he immediately jumps into being purified, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for our sincere, brotherly love. So our obedience to truth is not us kind of you know, listening to God's word and doing our best to achieve it. It's the outflow of our faith and our hope in God that allows us to love, allows our souls Remember, in, in, these Greek, in the Greek and Hebrew, our, the soul was the, all that we were. It's all that we are. It's our inner being. It's, it's what kind of defines us and gives us the ability to choose and do all that we desire to do. And so the soul speaks to the whole person. And our souls are purified through faith and our union with Christ. And because of that faith, we are obedient to the truth, the gospel, the good news that produces in us love, so our faith and our hope produces in us an overflow of love to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to see that this morning, that having purified our souls, not by what we did, but by putting our faith in the one true hope, our one true good news, which is Jesus Christ. The product of that is we do that for a sincere brother love. The word sincere basically means not hypocritical. It means that we come together and we love each other without strings attached. That It's not we, we come to face to face and we love each other but then behind our backs, we don't. It's not a hypocritical type of love. It's a pure, sincere love. It's a love that calls out sin with truth. A love that embraces brokenness because we know that we are also broken and need Christ. It's a love that's not coat itself in some veneer and make it look all good to, to those around us, but in our hearts we know that it's not there. I know I'm guilty of this. I believe we all are. Because we're all sinners. But it's a sincere brotherly love. That is the goal of the transformation of us putting our faith and hope in the good news of Jesus Christ. So Peter goes on, So love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Here we can see the idea of a pure heart. But This picture of word earnestly is the idea of fervency. Uh, it's almost like a stretched love. We just don't stand static where we are in love. We pursue. We go after. It's interesting that the same exact word is used of Christ as he describes earnestness of his prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's pouring out his heart, as he's bleeding, sweating drops of blood, it's the same idea of him fervently praying for these things. We, in the same way, are fervently, earnestly called to love one another from an unadulterated, undivided heart. A heart that's pure in its sense, in its hope. But again, we have to realize, because Peter helps us right away, point us back to this very truth that this is not of our own doing. I want you to make sure to be very clear of this because if you leave here thinking you can love one another by your own strength, you're lying to yourself. Love's not that easy because in our culture, love comes and goes. At least love as we define it, right? Love is as good as for a season as long as you're getting something from it. As long as you're benefiting from that love, it's a great thing but there's no more any permanence in our love when it comes to our culture. We're sooner to duck and run when things get challenging. Uh, There's a reason why divorce rates are the highest they ever have been. There's no more commitment. There's no more real fervency to to have love be the goal of our hearts, to seek each other. And this is not just in the world. Okay, it's very clear this is in the church. This is amongst brothers and sisters who profess Christ. We are not living out what God calls us to. I'm not living out what God calls me to. We know that it's not from our own strength. He says, since, so important, you have been born again. The transition is strong. There's a connection between our loving one another and our new birth. Our love comes out of being born again. Our love comes out of the the seed for which God plants the Holy Spirit in our life to revive us, to give us new life, to new birth. It is foundational for us to see that this is why we can put our faith in the good news of Jesus Christ. Because you have been born again. Because of what Christ has done for us, we now can put our faith and hope in the only truth that's worth putting our faith and hope in. Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can now love from a pure, excuse me, <coughs> from a pure art. We can love in a way that God desires us to love. It's not without that that's possible. And Peter, twice in this first chapter, puts our new birth and talks about it. In verse, verse 3, he says it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He wants to put our, our hope, our ground, this, in the history of Christ's resurrection. God came in Christ for a purpose, and we can look back to that moment, His resurrection, and see there the hope that we're called to have. That we have now been born again to not a, a, not a dead hope, but a living hope who rules and reigns. Through Christ our Savior, who's been resurrected from the dead, we now have a living hope. But he also says in verse 23, where again, you've been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Through the living and abiding word of God. We were born again of an imperishable seed. We are imperishable now. Our hope is in living. What's so cool, as we think about seeds, and maybe you're in agriculture, or you're not, we know Christ's own words as he speaks about the seed. What happens to the seed? What must happen to a seed for it to produce anything? It has to die, right? For a seed to produce in agricultural purposes, right? We're not talking about Christ. We will in a second. A seed has to die. It has to change who it is to be able to produce. But what's amazing is that what God is saying, that he is not a perishable seed, but we are born with an imperishable seed. How? Through the living And abiding word of God, which is, in verse 25, the good news that was preached to us. The seed does not change. It is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. It is imperishable, and therefore we are imperishable. God's word does not go out void. It does not give birth and just die off. It is living and abiding. The idea of abiding is constant with us. It is that hope that we have that gives us the ability to love. It is that hope that we have that we are not temporary. We are eternal beings. We have been born again with an imperishable seed. We will live forever with Christ, with each other. A couple weeks ago in our study in James, we discussed the relationships that we have and how important it is for us to, to harvest those and to culture those and to be able to work on those things, right? To reconcile, we need to because these relationships we have are the one thing we'll carry on for eternity. Nothing else. Our, our, our cars, our wealth, our, our power, our prestige, our name What people in this world look for and strive for, all of that will go to nothing. We'll see it in a second. But one thing that will remain for all eternity is the very relationships that we find so in God's kingdom. That's an amazing truth. And I have to remember it because I get so caught up in the temporary. I get so caught up in myself. I forget that all these things I'm striving for, all things I think are going to bring me this joy, it's all temporary. And the one thing I should be putting my most effort into, I don't all the time. I should be putting my heart towards loving the body, being a part of that, and seeing that grow in me and grow in them. Because that will be the one thing that will last. When we get to heaven, we'll see each other. For some of you, that might not be a good thing, but I mean, to me it is. And I think it's amazing to think about how beautiful it is that God calls together for his purposes. And it's not just a temporary purpose. It's the eternal purpose, to come together, to worship him, for he and he alone is worthy to be praised. But Peter's making a point here. If we are born again by this imperishable word of God, we ourselves will never perish. Our true love for one another flows out of this living an invincible hope in God that has been born in us through the historical resurrection of Christ and it is brought to life and explained in the gospel the good news of what Christ has done for us. Verse 24 goes on, though: For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Peter's quoting Isaiah 40, and as the Israelites were, were in exile and their, their hope was lost, they kept trying to find it in something else. But God speaks to Isaiah, and he says to him, to go to the mountaintop and proclaim these things of God's good news, that his word will go forever, that he will never fail. It's something that can be told with strength, with authority, that when God says it, it will happen. James talks about the same thing in James 1, 10 and 11. He talks about how all flesh is like grass when it relates to, again, what? Our wealth. Our, our identity in what we have. That that will go. Just like the grass. As beautiful as the grass, as beautiful as the flowers may be to look upon. that all that we do is like flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. Great establishments, great countries, great nations, our own, anything you can think of that we possibly can do, all of it is just like flowers. It might be beautiful in the moment, but it won't last. So why should we put our hope in that? But we do every single day. Our hearts, our minds, our affections are turned from God and the, the gift giver to the gift. And we focus our lives on that. Forgetting that all that will fade away. It's all temporary. What isn't is our love. What isn't is our, the seed which God has put in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and this word, this truth... This thing that we talk about, that we preach about, that we remind ourselves of on a daily basis. This good news of what Christ has done, that he has now taken our brokenness, taken our death on himself and given us now new life. This new imperishable seed that will last forever. This word, this good news, is what we put our hope in. It was preached to you. This is what we put our hope in. This is what we put all we are in what we are called to do is grounded in what God has done. And we focus on the things of this earth, and we focus on the things that we, that we do, we lose it. When we believe that our love is going to flow from us, then we miss the point. The love that binds us as the redeemed flows from the Redeemer. He is the one who gives us the ability to love and to love as God calls us to. When we think of love, we think of probably 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, it won't be on the screen, but i um, will going read that. You can turn there. It's so a famous verses for any wedding. You've probably been to a Christian wedding. You hopefully have heard these verses. It's a great depiction of what love looks like. Of this love that comes through us resting and our living in an invincible hope we have in God. Because if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have. If I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the love that God has put in our hearts through Jesus Christ. We do not manufacture this. We do not go to our knees and, and, and work hard and grind ourselves to death believing we can be obedient to this truth without Christ he has put in us this living hope and from that because of that we now are called to love one another to love from this pure heart that God has given us but this morning it's not enough for us to think about this loving here now because even that if we put our focus on that we miss the point just like in a relationship, just as a, as, a, as a husband and a wife or a, a parent and a, and, a, and a son or a daughter. If our goal is just to love them, we, we, we miss things. Because they become God. If our goal is to allow this love to be shown as we love one another, which it should. If, but if that's our focus, then we turn that into God. Now all of a sudden, love is God. And, and God is not love anymore. Now in our desire to love one another and to put aside all differences to come together, we believe that now because of that, we have done this great thing. We have loved one another, but we've missed God. We've lost Him in the mix. We cannot settle with striving for things here and now. We must aim for more than that. And as we aim, I love this quote, as we aim for heaven, earth is thrown in We aim for earth, you get neither. The idea is that we are called not just to love each other, but to love God first and foremost. Above all things, he is primary. He is first. He is forever. The greatest commandment is to love God, right? Love God first with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love our brother, love our neighbors. But if we we mix that up, we lose it. Our first goal is to love God as we love God with all that we are, the outflow of that, the overflow of that love is love to each other. It's a love that binds together, a love that builds up, a love that grows. It's a love that is glorifying to God. But it's not not who we are. It's that overflow of who we are. We are children of God. We have bought with a price and put into us an imperishable seed. We've been bought for a purpose, to love God. And from that, from that, the purity which comes with us pursuing God with all that we are, the glorious outflow of that is love for for one another. A love that shows the world that we're unique, that we are holy, set apart for God. Because the world doesn't know love. It might think it does, but it doesn't. But we do know love because we know Christ. And He has displayed love perfectly for us as He took upon the cross our sins, our shame, all our guilt, the very wrath of God. That is love. So we can show that love and how we love others, but we have to maintain our hope in Christ and Christ alone. The Word is the good news that was preached to you. As we go to this world and we preach this good news that we have been born again, that because of Christ, we can live a life of purity, a life of obedience, a life glorifying to God, which, out of overflow, loves others. And since, we've been, since we have been born again in Jesus, we are the freest of all people. And therefore, we should love others best we put our hearts and our affections on Him, it's natural for us to love others. It doesn't become a challenge anymore. We don't have to think of how we're gonna do this. We see Christ and we see ourselves. We see our sin, we see His beauty. And we can't help but love others when we see His love for a broken sinner like me. That's what drives us. That is what gives us purpose and value and identity Not that we can love, that we've been loved by God, the creator of all things, the one whose word will never perish, whose word remains forever. We can put our hope in that. We can put our peace in that. And through his love, we can love others. We can show the world what love looks like. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, I'm thankful for your words, God, because mine are so weak. I think that I don't have to rest in my own truth or what I think is truth, but God I can rest in the truth, Jesus Christ. And that God, that I know that you have called me to love from a pure heart, God. Lord, sincerely. And fervently pursuing my brothers and sisters in Christ with your love. God, but I know I can't do it. I need you. God, I need you to be all in all to me, Lord. It's the only way I can ever love others. So, God, I pray this morning we would see that, God, you have purified us by our faith in the gospel. God, you have planted in us a new imperishable seed. God, and that for eternity we will worship you together as your body. And God, I pray that would just transform our hearts. God, that we take these truths that we are people set apart and take this and make it practical as we love you, Lord, and love each other. And God, Lord, I pray you would help us to see this in, in a new way, Lord. And that, God, when all things come and go, Lord, you are remain the same. That you are better than all things. And God, that we can trust you. And God, I pray you would just uh, break our hearts for it, Lord. Help us to see our great need for you. And God, that God, when we pursue you, God, we we aim for you, God, we get everything else. Let us not be confident and comfortable with false idols. God, with things that promise peace, promise hope, but God, end up failing us. God, let us look to you, our perfecter of our faith, God, to bring us from where we are, God, to where you desire us to be. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy, God. Thank you for this morning, God. I pray you would help us to love love one another, God, and show that through our actions. We ask all this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.